The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to the Lord. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising, and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word, that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. This is it, right? We're celebrating the, uh, the Epiphany. And uh, for us, this is the image uh, that we have in our minds. If we think of the epiphany, if we think of the revelation or manifestation of God uh, to the world, uh, this is the image that we ought to have in our mind. Of course, in, in Catholic thought uh, and in theology, we hold the epiphany, this epiphany event, together we, with uh, two other events, the baptism of, of Jesus, Jesus in the Jordan and uh, his changing water in, into wine, the wedding feast of Cana. These are all um, events that reveal God as man, or God in the flesh, right? God as Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, they, of course, each has its, its own kind of particular contours and, and character, and uh, I have no intention of preaching on all three today, so <laughs> it's your lucky day. Um, I have seen the the star as well, have seen the North Star guiding me, and uh, I'm only going to focus on, of course, this, uh, this gospel passage, uh, the epiphany that, that we hear about here. And what is it? It's, yes, it is. It's God's manifestation of himself to the world, his revealing of himself to the world, and the world, especially in the characters of the Magi, yeah, the Magi, those, um, whatever they are, magicians, interpreters of dreams, astrologers, astronomers, we're not exactly sure. They're stargazers, right? But they come making their way to Jesus, having seen phenomena in the skies that tell them of God's great work, that there is a great work of God that they have to know about, that they have to be present for, that they have to pay homage to. And what is, what is that work? Well, I mean, it helps us perhaps to look, to look back and see to the best of our ability to to chart these things, and I think we have pretty, pretty good ability to do so, to chart 
the, the stars in the night sky. Uh, we know that in the year 7 BC, three times two stars appeared in conjunction together, Jupiter and Saturn. And Jupiter is the star for royalty, for kingship. And uh, Saturn, in, at least in many places, perhaps in most, is known as a star that represents the Jewish people. So having the, the two appear together three times in one year is significant. Okay, you can take my word for it. It's not even my word. I take whoever's word it was who told me about it, right? Take my word for it. It's, yeah, it's, this, is, this is significant. And it's, it's significant in a way that I think our, our hearts have to warm up to today as well. Because when, when I say something like we live in a, in a secular world, what I, mean, what I mean to communicate is something like our hearts are flat and listless, lifeless. How many of us will gaze on the night sky and see the glory and grandeur of God? How many of us see in the, in the, in the kind of day-to-day events of our life where, where God endows us with, with great gifts, especially the, the gift to persevere in, in faith and in, and in charity where we are, how many, of, how many of us see God's hand at work there? You know, as, a, as we kind of tread along our, our own little path, are, are we inclined at all to see God communicating himself to us in the world around us? Now, of course, you could say, you could say well, look, he, mean, he does it directly. I don't, have to look into this, I don't have to look into the sky anymore. He does it directly. He communicates himself to me whole and entire in the word, in the word made flesh. And Jesus tabernacling among us, Jesus... You know, lying in a manger, giving himself as food for us to eat. Right? He, he communicates us with, with us directly. But do we see the world around us as, as pointing to his glory and, and giving, him, giving him glory? It was uh, Pope Benedict XVI who, uh, in one of his, of course, many reflections, offered that the foundation of the world is love. The foundation of the world is love. So I can see you kind of puzzling, like, okay, Father Daniel lost his mind, you know? <laughs> like, I know that the foundation of, of the universe, the, the basic building block of, of life is what? Carbon. No, it's not. It's not. Carbon wouldn't exist without love. So the whole creation sings God's praise. The whole creation communicates God's love just by its existing Anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a detour on the old homily there. But you're used to it, right? So it doesn't, you know, you, you'll indulge me. It's okay. Um, it's just to say there's something here. There's something here. There's even more to, meet, more to meets the eye. Yeah, can, can, our, can our hearts also be awakened to God communicating himself to us? In every breath we take. And every opportunity we have to love, right? These are, this is God communicating himself to us. Our being alive to, his, to him and to his purposes. Um, I think there's a, lot to, there's a lot here. Okay, like I said, in this, this event happens in 7 BC. When is Jesus born? This is a trick question, don't answer. Okay, look, by our, by our best estimates, Jesus is born in 4 BC. 
Now, we were off by four years. It's not that big a deal, guys, okay? But this, even from 7 to 4 BC, there's a lot of planning taking place in the, in the lives of the Magi. Like, our, you know, our, our scene might indicate a quicker journey, right? You know, like, it took them a week to get over there from here, right? Well, that's not a very long distance, okay? So you can calculate their velocity and draw it all the way back or something. But the, this, this was a trip a long time in the making. Just as God's manifestation to the world as man is a long time in the making. And very often we know, right, significant things take a long time to, un to unfold, especially if we're involved in them. You know, it's like they're never quite as quick as we, as we want them to be. Well, okay, so too the, the journey of, of the Magi. And they set out really in, in faith. They set out to, meet, to see the newborn king of the Jews. And whether or not they had heard the, the, um, the kind of prophecy of, of Isaiah or of the Psalms that would say something to the effect of, yes, okay, a, a king of the Jews is not simply uh, the ruler of the Jewish people. The true king of the Jews is also the Lord of all nations. And all nations will come streaming towards him. Well, we see that whether or not they know that, we see that happening in them. They round up the best things they have, and they, and they bring them on that great long journey to Jesus. They come, they come, and this is Matthew's point. They come to honor the newborn king of the Jews. They have come to do him homage. Herod says it, but of course not so much. They've come to do him homage, this newborn king of the Jews. Matthew, in, in crafting his, his gospel, gives us any number of indications of who this newborn king of the Jews is. Who, what does it mean for Jesus to be the king of the Jews? He is, in fact, the king of the Jews. But what does it mean? We have some, we have some great echoes in this passage. Also, the crucifixion narrative in, a, in the 27th chapter of, of Matthew's gospel. Right? That's the next time that we will see a Gentile, a non-Jew, call Jesus the king of the Jews. But they do it in derision. Hail the king of the Jews as they spit on him. Right? And, he, and there he won't, be, he won't be crowned with gold. He will be enthroned eventually on his mother's lap, but he won't be crowned with gold. He'll be crowned with thorns and enthroned on the cross. This is, this is the kingship of Jesus that we honor as we devote ourselves to Jesus, who is our newborn king. You know, the... the he, here we see, the, we see the conflict of kingdoms, right? He, here in front of us, it's a, this is a pretty active um, rendering of the nativity scene and the epiphany scene, but it's still a little sterile. And, and here, this is the stuff of, you know, Hallmark cards, right? It's, it, these are gentle scenes. They're so gentle, we put them on our fireplace, right? It's like they're so gentle, we put them on our desk. We look at them, they warm our hearts. But here in the gospel scene, you've got Herod in the background, right? The man obsessed with power who can't stand to have his kingdom challenged by a baby because he knows who that baby is. That baby is the world's rightful ruler and he's the ruler of every human heart. So how do, how do we act knowing what we know some 2,000 years on. How do, we, how do we act knowing that, of course, Jesus is the King of the Jews? Yes, Jesus is the Lord of all nations. He's, he's, not, he's not only that. He's that and more. He's the rightful ruler of every human heart. 
He's the rightful ruler of my heart. How do I act? Have I set out to see him? Have I, have I, have I gone in pursuit of him? This matters, right? Okay, this matters, right? Yeah, everyone, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm not looking at you, it's okay. I, I, this matters. In the end, this is all that matters. Is setting out in pursuit of Jesus. It's the only thing that matters. Where, where, where are we going, guys? Where are we going? What are we looking for? We like to look in the wrong places, right? We, we, like to, we like to chase down the wrong leads. We think our happiness is just around that corner. It's in Jesus. And this is why it's significant that that journey is a lot longer than a week. Guess why? Because we're not going to get there in a week. You're not going to get there in a week. We don't, need to hold, we don't need to hold that in front of us to say, oh, you know, like, what, um, such a failure. You know, the Christmas season didn't do it for me. I didn't, I didn't give myself totally to Jesus. My friends, it's a journey of a lifetime. And we're all on it. And we're all on it not because we've taken the initiative, but because God has taken the initiative. God is the one who said all nations will stream towards him. And in ignorance of that, probably, the Magi come. He knew what he was doing when he called you. Even if none of us can decipher it. <laughs> yeah. Even if you can't decipher it, is what I intended to say. No. He, he knew what he was doing when he called me to preach long homilies. <laughs> I know, that may, that may or may not be the will of God. But look, he knew what he was doing when he called us. We have to go in pursuit of him. So we have, to, we have to allow him to stir our hearts so that we might desire him, so that we might want to set off in pursuit of him, that we, might, that we might want to go and do him homage, not with our lips alone, but with our lives. Herod says it with his lips, doesn't he? He says it right in the gospel passage. I want to do him, I want to do him homage. Got a word for that. I'm not going to say it. We don't want to, he doesn't want to do it, right? He's not going. He, he, from his perch, wants to preserve his power. He wants to preserve what he's got. He's scared of a baby. He's right to be. What are we, try, what are we trying to preserve for ourselves? What, what happiness are we trying to hoard outside of our relationship with God? You know, this, the, even the, the length of the journey allows me to think about the length of the Christmas season. Right? What, what day are we in now? Y'all don't even know because you gave up. <laughs> like, it's like 14, right? Because, uh, you know, Epiphany is supposed to be 12, 12 days of Christmas. But we move it to the Sunday so more of us can celebrate. Great, so let's celebrate. But Christmas lasts like a day and a half if we're, if we're lucky. Because we don't have hearts to celebrate. We don't have hearts that are totally tapped into God. That, that, that want nothing but to honor his handiwork. They want nothing but to celebrate his, his plan of sheer goodness, of sheer goodness and grace, undeserved grace for us.
Right? It's, it's ours, it's ours to, to be sustained by him. We're only sustained by him if our hearts are focused on him. Now look, right, okay, let me, I'm, I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to pick it up. Here, look, they, what do they do? What do, they, what do the Magi do? They bring the most costly things they can find to Jesus. They're going to go honor a king. They bring the most costly things they can find, and they, and they lay it at his feet. They, and what? They prostrate themselves. Well, guess what? Without that act of prostration, their gifts mean nothing. They mean absolutely nothing. God owns everything. God owns everything there is. He has no need of anything from us. But he wants our hearts for our good. And that act of prostration was worth more than however much gold they had. Even if they had all the gold in the world to bring to, Jesus, to, bring to Christ Jesus, their act of prostration was worth more to God than that. Because it's the beginning of the turnaround of a human life. It's the beginning of the restoration of an image bearer. It's the beginning of the reception of God's own life of love and living out his mission to bring his light, the light of the world, to all peoples. This is us, my friends. What are we bringing today? What are we bringing? I'm so thankful to hear in, in the congregation songs of praise you know, with, the, with the help of our choir. You know, it's, it's great to sing God's praises. What are we bringing? Are we putting our whole selves into that song? Are we putting our whole selves into the prayer? I'm not saying, I'm not saying let's make this a sing-loud competition, although I kind of like that, but <laughs> we don't have to do that. We want to sing well for the Lord. We want to pray well for the Lord. We want to focus our attention on Him. We want to come and do Him homage. That's going to be the turning of our hearts into hearts of praise. And it happens piece by piece. It happens step by step. It happens year by year as we make our way to the Christ child. Let's, we, this, is, this is it. Yeah? And of course, as we look from the stable or we look, to, we look from Bethlehem to really Bethany and beyond, the house of bread and beyond, we look to the, we look to the cross. We see Jesus who is eager to be the word made flesh for us. Yeah. There in the stable... And here on the altar, he becomes food, food that we need to sustain us in the life of love that he's called us to. And as he reveals himself to us here as the light of the world, he lights up our lives as well with the fire of divine charity so that we can bring God's own life of love to bear in the world around us. Just, just as we saw in the, in the prophet Isaiah, Right? Light will come to Jerusalem. We are his new Jerusalem. We are his new Israel people. Light will come to Jerusalem even as darkness covers the world. Even as darkness covers the earth. And it's ours then to light up the world. To raise up God's fallen world by the light of his love.